Dr. Baliga here. This podcast is on risk stratification, screening and diagnosis of patients suspected to have radiation-associated cardiac disease due to the heterogeneity in presentation in different individuals, the long latency and poor outcomes, serial screening of cancer survivors who receive radiotherapy is recommended, particularly when patient transition from pediatric to adult services, it is important to ensure adequate follow-up. By and large, screening for coronary artery disease should commence within five years of radiation exposure based upon timing of major coronary events in breast cancer survivors. Due to its later presentation, screening for valvular heart disease by and large is delayed until 10 years after radiotherapy with subsequent imaging then performed at 5-year intervals. Non-invasive stress testing is recommended from 5 years after radiotherapy and at 5-year intervals with a preference for stress, either dobutamine or exercise echocardiography. Traditional risk factors should be aggressively managed as they act synergistically with radiation exposure to increase the risk for major coronary events from 2 to 7%. Biomarkers such as troponin and BNP or brain natriuretic peptide can also be potentially monitored to identify asymptomatic patients at risk for future events. Imaging Transthoracic echocardiography, TTE, is the most common screening tool employed for detection and monitoring of radiation-associated heart disease. The recommended frequency of echocardiographic screening varies according to the individual, but is typically performed every two years in asymptomatic individuals and more often once symptomatic or when clinically indicated. Transthoracic echocardiography is used to detect any structural abnormality, measurements of ventricular performance, including biventricular systolic and diastolic dysfunction, and evaluation of valvular heart disease, that is multivalvular involvement with mixed valvular dysfunction, in particular calcification of the valve, fibrosis and rigidity, retraction, stenosis, and regurgitation. In addition, echocardiography is used to detect prominent calcification, valvular, annular, aortomidal curtain, and aortic calcification. It can also detect pericardial calcification, but it is less, less useful for diagnosing both pericardial calcification and pericardial thickening. Echocardiography is also useful for detecting wall motion abnormalities associated with coronary artery disease. It is useful to detect pericardial constriction. For example, prominent respirophasic diastolic bounds of the septum, significant inspiratory variation of mitral E-wave velocity, hepatic vein expiratory diastolic flow reversal, and annulus reverses. 
It's also useful to detect effusive pericardial pathophysiology, that is, pericardial tamponade. Left ventricular ejection fraction assessment is important to, de to detect global systolic function. However, subtle changes may be missed due to dynamic changes in loading conditions or variability in measurements. Radiation associated cardiac disease is associated cardiac di dysfunction which is defined as a 10% decrease in left ventricular ejection fraction to a value of less than 50 to 53% confirmed by re repeated imaging 2 to 3 weeks after baseline diagnostic study. More details regarding this in the paper authored by Plena et al titled Expert Consensus for Multimortality Imaging Evaluation of Adult Patients During and After Cancer Therapy, a report from the American Society of Echocardiography and the European Association of Cardiovascular Imaging. This was published in the Journal of the American Society of Echocardiography 2014, Volume 27, pages 911 to 939. Three-dimensional echocardiography appears to be more useful and more re reproducible for serial assessment of left ventricular ejection fraction. Contrast echocardiography, though it improves delineation of the left ventricular endocardial borders, remains less accurate than three-dimensional echocardiography. It must be remembered that majority of the patients with radiation-associated cardiac disease have preserved left ventricular ejection fraction. Reductions in systolic myocardial deformation are detected immediately and two months after radiotherapy in the absence of detectable reductions in left ventricular ejection fraction. A useful tool is strain echocardiography. It has demonstrated that abnormal global longitudinal strain, GLS, and global circumferential strain in 33% and 21.7% respectively, whereas depressed left ventricular ejection fraction was detected in only 5.7% of the patients in one study. This was reported by Armstrong et al. in an article titled Comprehensive echocardiographic detection of treatment-related cardiac dysfunction in adult survivors of childhood cancer, result from the St. Jude Lifetime Cohort Study, published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology, 2015, Volume 65, pages 2511 to 2522. Abnormal global longitudinal strain has also been correlated with lower mean six-minute walk distances and with reduced quality of life. The lower observer variability of global longitudinal strain allows for easier recognition of the change in systolic function when compared with left ventricular ejection fraction. As a result, abnormal global longitudinal strain may herald early onset disease and is now increasingly being incorporated into screening.
in radiation associated heart disease patients with preserved left atrial ejection fraction undergoing cardiac surgery where the lv global longitudinal strain was less than minus 14.5% there was higher mortality versus patients with normal left ventricular global longitudinal strain this is reported by chirakarna jana korn in a paper in journal of thoracic cardiovascular surgery 2015 volume 149 pages 1643 to 51 the paper is titled impact of long axis function on cardiac surgical outcomes in patients with radiation associated heart disease however thresholds for abnormal global longitudinal strain in such patients remains to be identified echocardiography is highly sensitive in detecting valvular disease although transthoracic echocardiography is usually adequate for diagnosis occasionally transesophageal echocardiography may be required for further diagnostic refinement however given the possibility of radiation associated esophageal injury care should be taken to minimize procedural time the earliest change detected by echocardiography includes progressive valvular retractions accompanied by valvular regurgitation occurring within the first 10 years the progression to fibrotic thickening and calcification occurs much later with valvular stenosis often appearing 20 years after radiotherapy mitral and aortic valve regurgitations are the most common defects and when valvular stenosis occurs it most commonly affects the aortic valve progressive thickening and calcification of the aortomidal cur- curtain is a characteristic finding of radiation associated cardiac disease the value of resting transthoracic echocardiography in radiation associated coronary artery disease is limited to the assessment of the presence and extent of regional wall motion abnormalities stress induced wall motion abnormality is a reliable indicator of myocardial ischemia which is highly sensitive and specific that is greater than 80% for angiographically assessed epicardial coronary artery disease it must be remembered that balanced ischemia from multivessel disease may be present with global dysfunction and cavity enlargement at peak stress stress echocardiography for valvular assessment is typically reserved for symptomatic subjects with mild or moderate disease at rest whose symptoms appear proportionally worse than expected stress may demonstrate increased valvular regurgitation transvalvular gradients or pulmonary pressures along with impaired ventricular contractile reserve cardiac ct coronary computed tomographic angiography cta is particularly useful 
in radiation-associated coronary disease for its negative predictive value, has no coronary calcification, portents, a very low risk for underlying coronary artery disease. However, many patients have severe non-calcific stenosis, rendering calcium scoring less useful. And in cases with extensive coronary calcification, assessment for luminal stenosis on CT angiography becomes difficult due to blooming artifact. MDCT, that is multi-detector computer tomography, or simply cardiac computer tomography, cardiac CT, is useful for evaluation of aortic, valvular, myocardial, and pericardial calcification on either contrast or non-contrast imaging. Preoperative assessment for aortic calcification is important to determine suitability for aortic cross clamping and cannulation in radiation associated heart disease patients undergoing cardiac surgery. Significant valvular and or annular calcification may preclude repair of the heart valve. For transcatheter valve therapy such as TAVR, four-dimensional MDCT is crucial for pre-procedural planning including assessment of annular shape and size of the aortic, mitral and tricuspid valves and to determine the iliofemoral vasculature. Multi-detector cardiac computerized CT is also useful to evaluate extra cardiac structures for surgical planning in redo surgeries, extensive fibrosis of the mediastinum, or a lack of a safety margin between the sternum and adjacent structures may necessitate a non-sternotomy or a transcatheter strategy. Fibrosis of the lungs has an adverse impact on survival in radiation-associated cardiac disease and should be evaluated Calcification of the pericardium, thickening of the pericardium, enlargement of the inferior vena cava, and ventricular conical deformity are suggestive of pericardial constriction. Nuclear scintigraphy, particularly single photon emission CT and positron emission tomography, have been employed to assess myocardial ischemia in radiation-associated heart disease, but show that 12% of asymptomatic patients have stress-induced perfusion defects, and in patients receiving both radiotherapy and chemotherapy, a higher proportion have new perfusion defects. Cardiac magnetic resonance imaging provides simultaneous functional and structural data enabling detection of radiation-associated coronary, valvular, and pericardial disease. 
Cine imaging allows assessment of ventricular volumes and regional wall motion abnormalities, while late gadolinium enhancement helps to determine regions of viability, scar, and regional non-ischemic fibrosis. Qualitative assessment of heart valve function can be performed using Cine imaging along with calculation of regurgitant volumes and transvalvular gradients via quantitative flow sequences. CMR T1, T2 weighted sequences and Cine imaging are useful for evaluation of radiation induced pericardial thickening, effusions, calcification and features of constrictive physiology including ventricular conical deformity, diastolic septal bounce and diastolic chamber restraint. A free breathing sequence can assess for constriction associated respirophasic septal shift while increased pericardial signal intensity on edema weighted T2 imaging and late gadolinium delayed enhancement imaging suggests acute or subacute pericardial inflammation seen in acute radiation induced pericarditis or with chronic effusive or transient constrictive pericarditis. The diffuse distribution of non-ischemic myocardial fibrosis in radiation associated heart disease means that it may be poorly detected using delayed gadolinium enhancement which relies on normal myocardium as a point of reference for nulling properties. T1 mapping allows quantitation of diffuse fibrosis from myocardial signal intensity curves and may prove useful for radiation induced myocardial disease but requires further investigation. Cardiac CMR is not optimized for assessment of surrounding structures including lungs and poorly shows calcification as a region of signal void. Alternative imaging strategies are required for these purposes. CMR is not routinely recommended but can be useful for assessment of ischemic and non-ischemic myocardial fibrosis, assessment of pericardial constriction and as an adjunct to echocardiography in technically difficult subjects. Cardiac catheterization provides complementary and confirmatory information to non-invasive imaging. Left heart catheterization allows assessment of severity of coronary artery stenosis and disease extent as well as enabling intervention on amenable, discrete, proximal to mid-vessel lesions. Right heart catheterization are useful for calculation of intracardiac and pulmonary pressures while simultaneous left and right heart measurements allow evaluation of ventricular interdependence with equalization of pressures confirming the presence of constrictive physiology. Proximal coronary artery disease may be underappreciated 
especially if osteal in location. Hence, there should be a low threshold for utilizing intravascular ultrasound, particularly in the setting of pressure damping or contrast reflux. Extracardiac vascular ultrasound, when there is extensive radiotherapy, carotid and subclavian arteries may be involved. In such cases, the clinical threshold to perform ultrasound of these vessels should be low. In addition, preoperative internal mammary and vein mapping allows for assessment of the quality and availability of coronary bypass conduits. Radiation associated pulmonary disease. Individuals with a history of radiation to the chest should be screened for pulmonary disease, particularly when symptomatic. Typically, this manifests as pulmonary fibrosis and traction bronchiectasis in severe cases. Concurrent pulmonary disease is independently associated with reduced survival in radiation-associated heart disease. Clinical examination, chest x-ray, pulmonary function tests including diffusion capacity and dedicated high-resolution CT chest is often required. It is important that pulmonary involvement be considered when determining suitability for cardiac surgery as pulmonary complications are a major source of perioperative morbidity and mortality. Those with radiation-associated heart disease and significant involvement of the lungs may be managed with non-surgical or percutaneous approaches even if the cardiac issues cannot be completely resolved. This podcast is in a nutshell regarding multimodality risk stratification, screening and diagnosis of radiation-associated heart disease. It's derived from several sources, particularly the JAK Scientific Expert Panel article on prevention, diagnosis and management of radiation-associated cardiac disease. The lead author of this article is Dr. Milen Desai, MD from Cleveland Clinic. This article is published in the Journal of American College of Cardiology, August 20, 2019 issue.